0: Just the creepy things that lurk in the misty shadows of the Appalachian Hills. I am, as always, the mysterious voice in the walls. Hey everybody,
1: I'm Wendy. And I'm April. Today, listeners, is an exciting day at Haunted Hollers. We have a special guest. We have Jeremy Wells. He is the editor of Carter County Times, also a fellow lover of the unexplained, of local legends all around us. Um, he is one of the experts that we consulted In one of his articles that he wrote about the Olive Hill poltergeist, that is from episode one. So, if you have not listened to that, make sure you go back and listen to it so that you know what we're talking about today. So, we're going to turn it over to Jeremy and hear what he has to say. Give us a recap, and Jeremy, it's you.
2: I had to raise my eyebrows a little bit at expert. I don't know, (laughs) uh, but no, this was a this this is it's a really really interesting case, Um, and there are some things that. You know that I have thought about like listening to that. You know, one of the things that you guys mentioned was the uh, the the ghost image. That she, it's let me rewind a little bit. Um, poltergeist in general are just really interesting to me because of the whole idea of the RSPK, the recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, which was William Rowell's premise of what these are. He did not think that they were. Ghost in the traditional sense. It's not, um, you know, the specter of the guy who raised the knocking spirits, which is a whole other thing I want to get into. Uh, and it's not the ghost of the of the Catholic nun um, that, she, that she saw. It's not that it's an actual spirit moving these things around. It's not that it's a demon, which is what um, Roger's mother seemed to think. Um, it's psychic energy. It's it's telekinesis. It's and it's not planned. It's not like, you know, I look at this coaster on the table and I say that I want it to move and it moves. It's an outburst of, of, of energy and what Roll saw and others who have done this research saw was that it tended to cluster around kids on the cusp of or going through puberty. And that was around the age that Roger was. You know, he's about 12 years old. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't explain how this actually happens. I'm not a physica- physicist. Um or you know a psychologist either one but uh, the idea that roll put forward was that these kids were kind of batteries for this energy but they couldn't control how it was output and that's you know it happened and manifested itself through these moving objects and knocks and pings and 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 other phenomenon But then you also have to take that, you know, if that's what's happening, which is what Roll seemed to think, you have to take that and you have to look at it through the lens of the culture that the Callahans were living in. And so whenever Ori Callahan says that she thinks she sees uh, a spirit of of a nun, you know, a a Catholic nurse, I think is what she actually Mm -hmm. said uh, in, in Roll's book. You know, you kind of wonder, like, why would why would she see a Catholic, their, their Jehovah's Witness, you know? Um, you know, we have to think about the fact that our two big hospitals around here are both Catholic hospitals. You know, we have, on this end of the county, we have uh, King's Daughters. And uh, on the other end, on uh, Moorhead, we have St. Clair.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And St. Clair had just come in maybe, like, five years prior uh, to these incidences. These were happening in 68, I think, King's Daughters. St. Clair came in in 63, I'm not sure about King's Daughters, but, you know, being Olive Hill, they'd be closer to Moorhead. And so if she is going to have some sort of hallucination related to this stress and she's going to see a nurse, it's going to be like, that's just just the image she's going to see. So that's, you know, uh, I think I remember you guys specifically talking about why a Catholic nurse, you mm -hmm. know, and and I think that that's probably the reason why, you know, she's going to interpret whatever... The basic basis is is that you know, all unknown phenomenon can only be interpreted through the, in, through the lens of the known. So when she starts trying to figure out what this is and maybe you know it looks like a nurse to her, it's a Catholic nurse mm-hmm. because all the nurses she sees are Catholic because she goes to St. Clair when she goes to the hospital.
0: That makes sense. Um,
2: <clears throat> and you know uh, the other time that she says she sees a spirit, it's not the spirit of a person who lived in the house she's in, but the previous house where this all started, and uh, I loved that they used the term "knocking spirits," um, because that you know is uh, it's basically a poltergeist. It's a no- you know poltergeist means noisy ghost,
3: mm-hmm. and a
2: knocking spirit is a spirit that communicates through through knocks and bumps. And um, but you know that whole thing just traces ba- was traces back to the nineteenth century to the Fox Sisters. You know, so that was you know uh, it's interesting that that was the term that she had. And it probably had to do with her age mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and and where they were. But I, I loved that that was, you know, that the old man was known to raise knocking spirits. Uh, uh, although he was, you know, she didn't want to think bad of him because she thought he was a good neighbor.
3: Right. Um,
2: so the, so that was all interesting to me. But those things are the Callahan family trying to make sense of whatever's going on. Um you know, so they're trying to put it in a context that fits because they don't know anything about psychokinesis. Uh, you know, they're trying to put this in the context of their culture uh, and where they are. And uh, there's something that I would love to know that I don't know that I'm trying to figure out. I've tracked down one of the nieces of Otis Crank. Mm-hmm. That's another. That's a mistake that Roll makes in his book. Um, he calls a, them Otis and Phyllis Cranks with an S. Uh-huh. Um, and it's Crank, no S. Okay. Uh, he also, you know, I could tell that he had some trouble with the accents whenever mm-hmm. I'm reading that. I know that she didn't say, I see. She said, I seen. Yeah. I'm convinced that she oh, said, yeah. I seen. Yeah. And he's just, you know, being the German that he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, where was I? <laughs> well,
0: I think Otis recently passed away, correct? Yes, uh, yeah. passed
2: away a while back. Uh, but I've tracked down one of his nieces and I'm trying to track down some of the other, thank you for getting me back on track so (laughs) smoothly, uh, trying to track down some of the other family members to verify a few things that I would like to know. Um, I know that the family were Jehovah's witnesses, but I'm not sure. I had it in my head for some reason that it was a recent thing that they had recently converted to, 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 to that faith. Uh um, and when you combine that with Roger's age you know the idea that you, you you change your faith to a faith that no longer celebrates birthdays no longer celebrates christmas no longer celebrates easter you know any of these holidays that are that are important to a kid at that age especially you know you know if he'd have been just maybe a little bit older or a lot younger it mm-hmm. wouldn't have impacted him in the same way um but, you know I, I wonder how much that you know, seeing it and the other kids around him at school, seeing what they got to celebrate right. and got to be involved in, or if it had been recently taken away from him, either one, um, could contribute to this. You know, this inner emotional turmoil that you know Roll and other researchers seem to think fuels recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, mm-hmm. um, which you know isn't it in itself is is kind of a crazy concept that you know you can move things with your mind. Uh, whether you're doing them intentionally or otherwise um but yes it's i mean it, it to me it's just a fascinating case and i really wish that that helen had allowed uh dr roland uh to, to take uh, the the two older kids beverly and roger down to, to north carolina and do some experiments um it would have been really interesting to see uh you know a little more because you know the chapter in the book is, is ten pages. Yeah. You know, it's not a lot of information, really. To you know, that's why I kind of raised my eyebrows at expert. I'm like, I don't think anybody is really an expert on this. I think there's still a lot of digging to do, uh, and it's why I'm trying to track down some of the folks that are still alive that are that are interested in talking. And um, there's actually a, a gentleman, uh, Randall Brammel, who is uh, wanting to make a documentary about this, a mm-hmm. documentary film, and he's a relative of 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 the callahan family we did so, run
0: on to that when we were doing our research but it looked like it hadn't really gone anywhere in quite some time so we weren't <laughs> sure if that was still on the table or not
2: it's still in the works um i'm in i messaged him last night to ask how to make sure that i pronounced Ori's name right mm-hmm. because my grandma was e-l-v-a-l-v Mm-hmm. And so whenever I read that, I'm like, she's probably Ori, not Aura.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I got a hold of him to ask to make sure so that I whenever I came on, yeah. <laughs> that I would pronounce it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, he still has plans for it. You know, it's the same thing that happened to a lot of projects that were in the works before the pandemic. Right. Everything just kind of slowed down. People reprioritized. And it's still on his burner. It's mm-hmm. just been placed on a back burner. But I'm sure he'll get it bubbling again. hmm
0: now, we did receive, um, and, and I thought it was interesting, you said people who are willing to talk about it. We did receive a, a little bit of feedback that, you know, the family wants you to leave this alone, we don't want you to talk about this, they're afraid that if we talk about it, this could bring the occurrences back, and I, I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it.
2: Well, you know, and that's not an uncommon thing across paranormal fields, the idea that you, you know, uh, I mean, even in Christianity, you know, in the beginning God was the Word, and you, know, you speak things into existence mm-hmm. um you know uh that's that's not an uncommon you know uh, across the spectrum and it you, it's a great segue to something else that i've thought about with with cases like this and others is the the the, the concept mm-hmm. um you know i first was introduced to that reading as probably a lot of people were reading john keel's mothman prophecies mm-hmm. when he talked about the ideas of thought forms and uh nick redfern in his book on slender man of all things
3: yeah
2: uh has a really really interesting story he relates of a a lady who went to tibet and studied with the ancient masters you know uh and ended up creating a tulpa that was so strong that she it nearly took her own life you know uh uh, trying to get rid of this thing that it Mm -hmm. just you know followed her around forever um and so whether that's you know completely in your own mind like Jung's guides were, or if it's something external that others can see, is either way, it's it's an interesting phenomenon, mm-hmm. um, and so you know that that is something that people create with their own minds in the same way, and it's so you know it's, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy or are, are you really manifesting something? Um, I, I can't say, but to me, it's interesting to study it and to study how people interpret it, you know, within. What it is they have to work with.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the psychokinesis theory does connect a lot of dots, and I do I like that theory, um, especially the incident where Rogers says the table's going to flip, and then at that moment the table does flip.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I thought that was interesting because it's almost like he, it's almost like he made it happen.
2: Um, also. Well, I mean, in the family at one point, like, you know, while Helen's blaming it on demons and Tommy's like, I don't know what's causing it. Right. At one point, whenever they want the kids to go to sleep, they're like, Roger, stop it. Yeah.
3: Cause, you know,
2: they're, they're blaming him, you know, whenever it gets down to it, so...
1: And then, like you said, if, you know, them just switching religions, if he's upset over that, one of the first incidents was the picture of Jesus falling off the wall and the glass breaking.
2: Which is what's always led me to think about that. But I don't know for sure when the family. I've heard that Ori became a witness later in life. And I don't know if, I don't know what the order is mm-hmm. there. Um, but uh, that, to me, that would be an interesting thing to find. And it's one of those things that, you know, maybe William Roll would have gotten more into if he'd had the time to take the kids away and talk with them and do a little more studying. But, you know, Helen was really worried that, you know, what they were doing was was stirring it up, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you know, that's maybe you do feed this phenomenon. I, I, you know, I can't say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've wanted to have one of these types of experiences my whole life, and I've never experienced anything. So I'm <laughs> kind of a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic. But it's funny, everybody else in my family, Bethany, Jessica, mm-hmm. they've all experienced something, oh, especially really? right there at Nan's house.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like Brian, Bethany, Jenny, they will all tell you crazy stories of things oh, wow. that they've seen in that house.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I, you know, hmm. beyond a spooky feeling, because everybody else talks about weird things that happen there, I never, you know... Yeah. Nothing's ever happened to me.
1: Yeah. Um, what do you think about? Did you find anything in your research about the exorcism that they had? That's something that we've tried to find uh, out about, and but we we've not been able to find anything. Burn all his clothes. Yeah. Why would they burn? But it wasn't hard. all
2: of his clothes. It was his new clothes.
1: New clothes. Yes. New, new it was clothes. his new clothes.
2: Right. And. You know, there there was another point where Roll mentions earlier that, you know, he had, when he got up at midnight and went to the bathroom, that he'd set out his clothes and smoothed them out. And so, you know, maybe it was a, I, I, you know, anything that I could say would just be presumption.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but that was interesting to me that, you know, the, uh, the idea that maybe his attachment to his clothes or... You know, vanity in some way, or if it was something that was attached to the clothes that came in with them. Mm-hmm. The whole idea we have of like you know haunted dolls and haunted yeah. objects, although that would be, you know, then I would need to know the provenance of the clothes and why they thought that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm I'm not clear on any of that, but it is an interesting. The, the burning in the clothes, especially, is mm-hmm. is a really kind of strange
0: well and I was thinking about the timeline you know this started happening in November of 68 and then carried on over into December of 68 so I'm thinking about okay when do kids get new clothes kids get new clothes usually when they're going to school you know and school starts in like you know August so I thought that was interesting I wondered what what exactly new clothes or where these clothes he came into if it's you know later you know several months later I wouldn't think school Mm -hmm. clothes I thought it was a really interesting thing
2: and if the exorcism didn't take hmm. I need to look back at the timeline. Because it brings up the whole holidays thing again to Mm -hmm, me. What if they were Christmas gifts? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
2: From somebody outside the.
0: That's a good thought. Uh, I didn't think about that. Maybe maybe that Hmm. was
2: part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something that's complete, pure conjecture. And this is the kind of thing that's going to make the family really upset. And I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm apologizing in advance. I'm going to get letters to the newspaper. (laughs) Because I did the last time that I ran a story Um, on mm -hmm. this. uh, and so you know it does upset a few people, and you know that's not my intention. My intention is understanding how this fits into Appalachian culture, right? right. And how the interpretation of it fits into Appalachian culture, and, you know, and what it says about us as a people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's it's, and and that just and, and when I say that even it just seems. Insensitive to the Califan family, that I'm, you know, that my curiosity is more important than their feelings, and that, you know, and so when, I, as I, even as I say it, I'm like I shouldn't even be here, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's not going to stop me from from asking questions and digging. That's just that's just who I am. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it's also interesting that you know they fled. So obviously something's happening. Um, it you're not going to flee your house unless you're having a problem and something's running you out um the fact that that when they fled and where did they go when they fled was it
0: to zimmerman hill Zim- okay they were on henderson branch
2: no 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 no, no? <clears throat> they moved from i'm not sure where the original home was mm-hmm. um but they moved from that home to zimmerman hill and this is uh you know uh, Ori and uh uh john
1: mm-hmm. and now is this when they crossed the
3: water and
2: then they went to zimmerman hill uh it was the family. it was Tommy and Helen and the kids that lived on Henderson branch oh okay. which is which is route two, mm-hmm. right through yeah Olive Hill now,
1: so when they yeah. crossed the water and things stopped happening, that's for me is hard to explain
2: well, that's right out of fairy lore,
1: yeah well, and it's like and the idea that
2: Haints can't follow oh, you across the creek too.
1: exactly mm-hmm. um, and we brought that up on the podcast, but if it's his psychokinesis that's what's giving me trouble here because I really want well,
2: it did follow them to Henderson branch it, eventually it. okay that's where that's where William roll and uh, his student um, John whose last name is escaping me at the moment Stump, Stump thank you mm-hmm. uh, where him and John Stump witnessed the stuff that they because they were at the place on Zimmerman Hill and Helen and Tommy wanted to get the kids home because it was a school night okay so they went back down to the house And uh, John Stump and William Roll asked to go with them to continue asking questions. And that's where everything began happening at the house. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what got, or, or Roll thought, that's what got Helen really stirred up, was that it had not come into her house before then. Okay. And then these guys come to talk to them and follow them down there and, you know, Stump had the idea that she somehow had the idea that he was in league with the devil mm, yeah, and, and causing it to happen and causing it to come to their house there. Mm. And that was the first time that it had crossed the water. Okay, um,
0: Well, see, I guess my confusion with that was, I was thinking, looking at George Wolford's article, he had mentioned that uh, Mr. and Mrs. John Callahan had moved from Henderson Branch. So I kind of thought there were two households there on Henderson Branch. And that's a possibility. And then they had moved. But I think what Wendy was talking about was when they later moved to Ohio, Ohio. and crossed the, oh,
3: Ohio, the Ohio River. River. Yes.
0: Yeah. And then at that point, once they crossed the Ohio River, from what we could tell, it kind of all went away.
2: Okay. So I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about Henderson Branch's, the mm-hmm. creek. And there hadn't been any activity there until William okay. Roll okay. and John Stump came to investigate. Mm-hmm. So and then know. that was the first time that it followed okay. them. From what I understand, that was the first time that it followed them from uh, Ori and John's house uh-huh. to the to, to, to Roger's home.
1: Yeah. Um, so I didn't even think about that, crossing the creek. Yeah. Because we're not familiar with the area.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, crossing the creek and it would stop happening. Then you cross the river. Yeah. And it would stop again. Hmm. So that's where, with the psychokinesis, you know, it, them going to Ohio and not having any more incidents, that's the part that...
2: And it could just be that he was removed from... From, from certain stressors. Yeah, that's true. You know, because Roel said that he had seen that if he took a family member away, that the activity would cease. And then mm-hmm. when they went back, it wasn't nearly okay. as bad. So it could have just been as simple as that kind of thing, just whatever. The, uh, uh, you know, Roger, Roel mentioned several times that Roger wanted to go stay with his grandparents. He mm-hmm. preferred yeah. to be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure what the reason why was, but, you know... Uh, my stepson one gets upset with us, and he wants to go stay with his grandma. You know, just yeah. because we've made him clean his room or whatever. You know, right. you a twelve-year-old Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a time of you know, you know, it's an age of you know, emotions and and you don't understand and you, everything's an injustice. Everybody's mm-hmm. against you. You know, um, it's you know, it's just. The, I remember what it was like when I was twelve. Yeah. It was a long, long time ago, but I kind of remember a little bit. <laughs> Try to keep that in mind.
1: Oh, we, were, we have two teenagers mm-hmm. apiece. We mm-hmm. remember 12. It wasn't a good year. <laughs> no, not at all. Not a good year.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, just, it could have just been the change of scenery mm-hmm. uh, that made it. And, and they did eventually come back. Some of them came back at right. least to the area, so.
0: Well, I mean, I guess if you think about it, if we go back to the idea of, the changing of the faith maybe what led to this you know getting out of that situation where okay i have these group of people who knew me before and now they're trying to see me after and then they move away to a new place where it's like okay this is just who i am maybe that kind of takes some of the stress out of that
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially now yeah, that's that was my thought as well mm-hmm. um, on that one but again you know t- we until we know some more details about this uh, which is what makes it like you know it's it's a classic case, but there's really very little digging that's been done into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's right being right in my backyard, basically. Yeah. It's you know, I feel it's kind of my duty to, to to poke this one with the stick.
0: Yeah. Well, I hadn't heard anything about this case until we kicked around the idea of starting Haunted Haulers, and which we I love for local stuff. We <laughs> we're having a lot of fun with yeah, it. Yeah, we are. Uh, but I was kind of shocked. I was like, what? There was a poltergeist in Olive Hill. How have I never heard this story before? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really interesting to dig into it. And one of the things, we did have a listener uh, commented on our Facebook page. And said, oh, you know, how, what, what are these people doing now? And I did some digging, and it was really interesting. If the genealogy and the obituaries and all of that lined up, a lot of the family, you know, passed away early early 50s, early in time. And Because I, I was kind of like 60s. That's not really that long ago. You know, mm-hmm. Roger might still be living, but I think he's not. And I thought that was kind of a, it was kind of sad seeing, you know, the family and where they moved. And a lot of them stayed over in Ohio, but still had passed away at a young age. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, we are talking about health care and Appalachia in the, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, I remember that at one point Tommy hollered at Roger to get up and get me cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. uh, it's a, and I remember my dad doing the same thing, mm-hmm. huffing and puffing. I'm ah, out of breath. Yeah. Go get my cigarettes <laughs> for me. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know. It's it's that culture.
1: So, Jeremy, when did you first become acquainted with the Callahan story?
2: Uh, I was doing some work for... uh, I was working for the Scioto Voice newspaper and I did a series over there uh, called River Valley Myths and Legends. And it started with places in and around Scioto County. And then it spread out to adjacent counties like Adams County and Lawrence County. And eventually I was going up and down the Ohio River Valley and surrounding communities. And I heard about it then. And then I started working on a book um, on the same theme. and decided to dig a little deeper and i found a copy of the pictorial history of carter county which had like just a brief synopsis uh and from there i was like i need to know more uh, and so i went and got online and found a copy of william roll's book uh and uh, you know actually 1972 first edition uh, and got it for under 20 bucks uh, and uh read it and i'm like okay well there's, there's why isn't there more? I need more. This is 10 pages. This is such a good story. Why isn't there more? Um, and so that's how I first became acquainted with it. And now I just I, I want to dig, but I you know, I, I also want to do it sensitively.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and so
2: that's why, you know, whenever I heard that, that, that Randall was making a documentary, I offered any support I could give him, um, you know, because he is part of the family. So, I think it's his story to tell even more so than mine. So, uh, you know, me really at this point With the story I've written about it, Um, if I ever go get around to publishing my book, um, then I will, you know, I will include that in there. But uh, more so, I want to help Randall with his project um, because, you know, I, I feel like he's the one to tell the story. And and I also think that the day and age we live in, a documentary film about it is probably a better way to reach a broader audience than a little niche local legend's <laughs> book, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, I've been interested in this kind of phenomenon since I was a kid, so
3: um,
2: I've, uh, you know, written articles, uh, worked with uh, Bigfoot research groups, uh, found footprints, oh,
3: okay. done field
2: investigations, um, and, you know, I've, I've, I've done a little bit of everything, and I'm still a skeptic, mm-hmm.
3: and, but, uh,
2: except on Bigfoot. I'm kind of I flipped from sixty forty to forty sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not it's, it, it could be real after finding a footprint. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was going to be my next question. Um, how did you become interested in the paranormal?
2: You know, I was the only one in my family that didn't that didn't have a paranormal story. Hmm. That didn't have a paranormal experience. You know, I, I never seen a UFO. I never seen a Bigfoot. I never never saw a ghost. You know, everybody else in my family had, and I found a book. It's another book I'd like to find again, but when I found it now, it's thousands of dollars, way out of reach. Uh, called "Demons, Devils, and Gems, Uh in the South, in the the Sunshine Elementary School Library of all places. Um, and I loved that book. I was about eight years old, nine years old when I found that book, and I just simply devoured it. And uh, the the librarian actually sent a note home to my parents. They were concerned that I was reading this book, that I'd <laughs> checked this book out, and they wanted them to know that I'd gotten it. And my dad, who was into weird stuff, was completely fine with it after he gave it a, you know, a cursory glance.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but, yeah, I mean, since I was a little kid, you know, and I've gone from being a true believer um, to a complete and total skeptic um, to something in the middle. Um, you know, I, I'm skeptical of most things and I try to put them in a you know, historical and a sociological context and that's really what interests me more than whether or not they're objectively true and real
3: mm-hmm.
2: is what they tell us about the human experience and, and, you know, and, and how we interpret things, so you know, that, that's the, kind of the, the, the bell curve of my, <laughs> of my paranormal life
0: So, Jeremy, I know that you are the editor of the paper, and Mm -hmm. you're into journalism. How did you get interested in writing and and writing about these types of experiences?
2: I have always been a writer, and I think that comes from being an awkward little kid that was shy and bashful, and like, you know, high school me would not be comfortable in front of a microphone like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, you know, I always felt like I had something I wanted to say, and I was most comfortable doing that. On the page and so i wanted to be a writer from the time that my mom has stuff from kindergarten where they're like what do you want to be when you grow up and i was like i want to be a writer or a cowboy <laughs> or an astronaut and, you know and the, you know, every year you know they ask you that in this little book she filled out and it would change you know It's like, I want to be a dentist or a chiropractor or a writer <laughs> but the one thing that stayed constant through all of it was writing and, uh, it, you know, I even considered education for a while. I was going to be a history teacher, social studies teacher. I don't want, I don't
0: uh, want to crush your dreams, but uh, the window might have closed on the astronaut thing. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, yes. <laughs> I believe it has. Um, uh, my eyesight wouldn't allow it at this point. Uh, although like, maybe I can make a billion and go up in the rocket with Jeff Bezos. Mm, there no, writer was the consistent thing, and I still didn't think that I could actually do it until I got my first newspaper job uh, with the Portsmouth Daily Times mm-hmm. back in like the year 2000, 99, 2000. Uh, I took my first writing job, and I knew that I wasn't going to do anything else after that. And so, you know, I've not been a journalist this entire time, but for the past 22 years, I've done nothing but write. I've been, you know, a journalist, a magazine writer, a technical writer, um, or I have worked in some way as an editor uh, for that entire time. And, uh, you know, uh, paranormal stuff was always, you know, I always wanted to write. That's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Like, if I could do anything... You know, you wouldn't be a newspaper editor, although I I wouldn't quit doing that now. It's an important job, and I I love doing it, and I love what I provide to the community. But You know, if I could be like Nick Redfern or Lauren Coleman and just churn out books at the pace those guys do, Mm -hmm. um, I totally would. Um, But I also am a little more interested in doing a deeper dive than Mm -hmm. some of that, you know, surface stuff. Um, And so, you know, I've been able to do that and blend my love of... Of uh, of that with journalism, to a little bit, you know, like with the with the uh, River Valley Myths and Legends series, mm. um, and you know, I've covered you know, uh, and done reviews of your guys's podcast in my in my Late to the Games column.
1: And
2: thank you for yeah, that. we appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's it's, it's you know, I, I really, I, I was I was you know excited whenever I found it, you know, because I was you know I was considering starting a podcast, doing something very similar to what you guys are doing. Uh, You know, uh, but I just didn't have the time, you know, to to do it the way that it needed to be done. And when I heard what you guys were doing, and then the very first episode was the Olive Hill Poltergeist, I was like, this is awesome, I've got to reach out (laughs) to these guys, I've got to find them. Uh, And I reach out, and it's Logan, you know, who I already know. And, uh, you know, and then I show up here today, and it's Wendy, who I had no idea that, you know, that his last name's (laughs) changed. I had no idea that, you know, this was the Wendy I knew from... Mm -hmm. I won't say how many years ago. Many
1: years ago.
2: Many years many ago. Many When she played ball with my sisters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a small world and, and, and writing lets us see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it brings us all closer together. It allows us to, to, uh, to make those connections in a way that, that other media doesn't because, you know, you're forced to slow down yeah. uh, a little bit when you're reading. Um, so I've always just, I've always been a writer, um,
0: I love that I, I think that's a really nice place for us to wrap up on today So listeners If you have any feedback that you want to send our way We would love to hear it You can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at Haunted Haulers. You can also send us an email at HauntedHaulers at gmail.com. And we also have a webpage, www.hauntedhollers.com. Hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would love to hear what you think. If you wouldn't mind, stop by Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Until next time, listeners, beware
1: of things lurking in the shadows.